I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and greatness, his greatness is unsearchable. That one generation shall laud your work to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. The might of your awesome deeds shall be proclaimed and I will declare your greatness. They shall celebrate the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his compassion is over all that he made. All your works will give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your faithful shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to all people your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. (sighs) He's not done yet. The Lord is faithful in all of his words and gracious in all of his deeds. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eye of all Look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, satisfying the desire of every living thing. The Lord is just in all his ways, and kind in all his doing. Not finished yet. The Lord is near to all who call on him. To all who call on him in truth, he fulfills the desire of all who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him. The wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praises of the Lord, and all flesh will bless his holy name forever and ever. Amen. This fellow, this could be a man or a woman, was filled up. I mean, overflowing and gushing about a relationship with God that he or she wanted us to pass on from one generation to another. People tend to talk about things that fill them up. I don't know how many of you were at Penn Park two or three weeks ago when our church went to worship at Penn Park. Raise your hand if you went to Penn Park two weeks. Okay, some of you are here. Raise your hand if you heard about it from somebody else but weren't okay. I heard a lot of people talking about it and other people coming saying, I heard about your worship in Penn Park and it seems like it was really great. Everybody who went there seemed to have been filled up. I want to show you a video of uh, what happened at Penn Park, just in case you weren't there. And while the video is playing, you need to know a couple things about why people might have gotten so filled up. Is it going to play? No? Yes? No? These people got up in the morning in the pouring rain and they went to church. 
Now, the church they went to didn't have walls, and the roof was questionable. And it was cold and windy and rainy, and when they went out their door, they got wet getting to their car. When they got out of their car, the parking lot had a lot of puddles in it. I don't think anybody had dry feet. And we stood on a whole concrete slab. And there was a fire there that some people didn't get very far away from because it was a little chilly. And you had to walk through the rain to get from where the food was to where the worship was and everybody got wet. Nobody there was dry. A lot of people don't like being wet and uncomfortable. Um, and yet, time and time again, I've heard people say, I was so filled up by that experience. Members of this church uh, had to suffer a little bit. They had to overcome obstacles. They had to endure some things that weren't necessarily pleasant. But the result was being filled up. Oh, there was food, too, by the way. So we got wet and were a little uncomfortable and had to endure some things that were not necessarily pleasant. And somehow, in all that, we came away a little filled up. So what is it with this part of our humanity that um, bursts forth when we have put a little suffering into the game? This last week, downstairs, uh, we had our Cub Scout pack meeting. And we have a, a large Cub Scout pack in this church, and they meet downstairs. And this last week, as they were meeting, I was listening to their meeting, and the program was that they had uh, representatives from the five military services come and share with the Cub Scouts about what it's like to serve in the military. And, um, and they would go through, and they would tell their story, encouraging the, 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 the Cub Scouts, girls and boys, by the way. Cub Scouts is girls and boys now. And um, <clears throat> they were passing on some of the virtues uh, and characteristics of each of the military branches. But what I noticed as I listened is that none of these service people, in passing on to the next generation about their particular branch of the service, was saying things like, oh, it's the easiest
happiest, most pleasant, most desirable thing I ever did. It was effortless. It was pleasant. It was just uh, uh, in all of its ways something that I would long to do again and again and again. That's not what they said. You know what they said? <clears throat> it was a real struggle. I overcame some obstacles. I gave up some other things that I could have been doing. I had to, to sacrifice some time with family and friends and schooling. They talked about trials they faced in combat and the, and the difficulty of being in such a high-stress, uh, violent situation. They shared with the Cub Scouts how they had overcome obstacles and sacrificed to be part of a military service. And the kids ate it up. It's like they were saying, oh, I wish I had something that filled me up so much that I would endure an obstacle, a hurdle, a trial, a sacrifice, some form of suffering to be a part of. <clears throat> these, these, these military representatives shared stories, passed it on to the next generation by sharing how they themselves had invested and endured and sometimes suffered or sacrificed parts of what they would have desired for the sake of this larger purpose. Now people, we live in a day and an age where a lot of people say, you know, Churches are not as full as they used to be. And uh, we, we look around and we say, well, well I wonder, wonder why that is. We, we live in a time where our leaders and our politicians, we just had an election, and, and a lot of what I heard was say, if you elect me, then I'm going to make sure you get this and that and the other thing. Right? Or we were bombarded by advertisements and ads and people and technology and marketing all about saying, oh, if you just use this um, new phone or new computer or new gadget or new app, it's going to make your life so much easier. And in the midst of that, we have these young people hearing stories of sacrifice and the overcoming of obstacles and people talking about going to church in the rain with cold feet and wet hair and standing on concrete and the wind blowing through and what couldn't wait to go and tell somebody about it so what is it about this invitation to to struggle to sacrifice to to suffer to 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 give of yourself for the sake of something else that somehow opens us up to being more filled up you see it may be that inviting people to come and worship the god of heaven and earth is not to say oh come and we'll give you the nicest most comfortable padded pew we can and we'll play all the music that you like and everything will be just so so as you are not offended we have uh, these uh, scrolls up here that you're welcome to take at our, at our time in Penn Park we also had a charge conference after the worship service and this, on this are all the names of the people in this church who have agreed to serve 
to sacrifice time and evening meetings and go to rehearsals and and be a part of things these are the leaders of our church which we've elected for next year these are the folks who we said will you serve will you give up some of your time and your talent and your gifts and your energies for the sake of god's people in the church and they said yes so i want you to take these home put them on your refrigerator pray for these folks because they said, yes, I'll, I'll do that. And they also happen to be the people who probably talk the most about the church. They're filled up with it. It's kind of what I want to be. I want to be like the psalmist. I want to be a little bit of a bore. When people say, hey, Gary, what's going on? Oh, the church this and the church that and God this and Jesus that. The psalmist writes... That of all the efforts, the effort to, to pass on this message of the loving God of creation from one generation to the other is the work of God's people today. The work of God is delivered to people. It is shared with people most effectively when we ourselves realize that we've been on the receiving end of God's grace and mercy. That God's done something for us and came to us in a time when maybe we were having a, some troubles and when we were looking for hope and God came to us and God's forgiveness filled us and we ourselves can then turn around to say to somebody else, you know what God has meant in my life? You know how God helped me to overcome? You know how God helped me to endure? You know how God has filled me up to the point that I want to be a giver? That I want to be a server? that I'm willing to sacrifice for the sake of others? You see, in Christ, God showed us this love that can fill us up. And the characteristics of this love that can fill us are sacrificial. Jesus walked that road, wound up in Jerusalem, said, I'll show you what it means to love. And he endured betrayal, and he had his heart broken, and, and he had, he had his, his body suffered, and he bled, and he died unjustly to redeem this world, to show us the kind of love that can fill you up and change your life is not the kind of love that comes because it's easy. It's the kind of love that comes because we're willing to give up this self-oriented part of our lives to God's grace and love for others. Salvation is ours because of the sacrificial love that empowers relationships to preserve, to endure, and mostly, mostly to forgive. Now, I don't believe there's any power on earth more powerful than forgiveness for human beings. And the human beings that have this power the greatest are those who themselves know what it means to be forgiven in Jesus Christ, what he did for me. To forgive me for my sins and my brokenness and my shortfalls and my laziness and all of the vices. But the love of God came and saved me from all that through forgiveness. Well, you know what, Christians? You're the forgivers. You're the people to show this world and to pass on this message that the most powerful attribute we have is the ability to forgive, 
to love our neighbors while the world is saying, nope, you got to divide the good guys and the bad guys, the red and the blue and the left and the right, and they're the bad ones and they're the good ones, right? No, Jesus said you are to love one another, especially your enemies. Forgive the ones with whom you disagree or might have hurt you. And you know why? Because that's how God loves you. The power of forgiveness. Passing on this power is the privilege of the church. Now, the Boy Scouts do it with merit badges. I'm wearing all my merit badges right here, okay? That's, they've got a real system, you know, to make sure that the virtues and the values of, the, of scouting are passed on. How do we do it, church? How do we make sure that these virtues and these values and this message is passed on from one generation to the other? Well, <clears throat> we tell stories. We're supposed to tell stories of how the love and grace and sacrifice of God and Jesus Christ has changed our lives and filled us up. We want to pass it on. Uh, it's Veterans Day tomorrow. There was a parade last week. We were telling a lot of stories about veterans. I heard one, I looked up a few, and I picked this one I want to tell you about. You probably know it. New York Times bestseller, uh, best-selling book, Unbroken. It's the story of Louis Zeppanini, who was a World War II veteran who uh, was in a prison camp in Japan. And his story is a story of um, the amazing power of forgiveness to redeem and to heal and to save. You see, apparently, uh, Louis, after floating for over a month in a raft on the Pacific, was delivered to a prisoner of war camp and, and because, oh, by the way, before the war, he was an Olympic athlete. So the Japanese didn't kill him right away. Instead, they took him from one prison camp to another, and he weighed 60 pounds. But they didn't kill him. Instead, they tortured him and tormented him. But they didn't kill him, and the war ended, and he went home. And he... The title of the book is Unbroken. This dude was broken. And he tried to get it back together and to get with the spirit of the world. And he found a girl and he married her and they tried to live. I think it was up in New York City, New York area. And he said, but I was, I was awful. I was drinking and smoking and carousing. He said I, he suffered from anger and mental health issues. He couldn't keep relationships. He was isolated and alone, and he had nightmares every night. And you know what his nightmares were? He said, I dreamed about getting my hands around the throats of my captors and strangling them. Until one night he woke up with his hands around the throat of his wife. And she said, that's it. And her life was a mess. I mean, if you love somebody who's, who's broken like that. Well, she wound up at a Billy Graham crusade that week. And when the invitation was given to come forward, she came. And she received Christ and was filled up and she went home. And I don't know if you've had any friends who ever got filled up at a Jesus revival. And they can't stop talking about it. And she started talking about it. He said, I don't want to hear that. You Jesus people, you Jesus freaks, just relax. That's all a bunch of things for weak people. I'm not going to do that. Well, she said, well, I'm not staying with you because you're a mess. 
And uh, before she would leave him or divorce him, he said, all right, I'll go. And he went to one of these revivals. And the invitation was given. And he came forward. And he said, upon receiving Christ, I knew I was changed. I had to give up and sacrifice all my selfishness and all my anger and all my revenge that I wanted to perpetrate on the Japanese. I gave it up. I let Jesus have it. And he said, from that day to then, I knew I was going to stop drinking. I knew I was going to stop cussing and following all the vices and I'm not going to be selfish and I'm going to try to be a good giver and I'm going to learn about the ways of God. I'm going to read these psalms. I'm going to start singing them all the time until the people get tired of me come and say, oh gosh, here he comes. And he did. He became a vivacious, filled up Jesus follower. He carried a lot of baggage like all of us do, but he worked on it to the point where he, he, he said, I became so filled with what God did for me in Jesus Christ in forgiving me that I wanted to forgive my enemies. And he wound up going back to Japan. He found some of his captors. He shared the gospel with them and he forgave them and talked to them about Jesus. And some of them received Jesus, became Jesus followers. And so it's this amazing story about this guy that wouldn't stop shutting up about what he'd been through and how he'd understood what God had done for him and how he wanted to share it with others. So what about it, church? What do we share with the world about the things we've been willing to give up or suffer or sacrifice or overcome in order to be Jesus followers? Who have you forgiven? with whom you have a grudge or you have a difficulty? Have you the power of forgiveness within you? I believe to have that power, it begins with accepting it for yourself from God. This morning, I'm offering Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not a Baptist. <clears throat> I had lots of friends growing up who were Baptists, and they'd tell me about going to church. And they'd say the closing hymn would come on, and it'd always be, just as I am without one plea. And the preacher would get up there and say, I know there's somebody here today who needs to come up to this altar and receive Jesus Christ. And they'd be sitting in the back pew saying, you go this day. You know, I went last week, you know, um, because they knew the service wouldn't end until somebody, somebody came forward. Well, we're Methodists. We don't do it that way. Phil, would you come up? But we do invite people to come and receive Jesus. To come and receive Jesus in the form of his broken body and his spilt blood. And so I'm going to be closing the worship services this week and every week this month with an altar call of sorts. And it comes in the form of inviting you to receive a piece of bread and the cup of Christ. So would you join me in the invitation to Holy Communion?
The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. We are reminded that on the night that Jesus was to be betrayed, he took bread, and after he had given thanks, he broke the bread. And he gave it to his disciples and said, Eat from this, all of you, and remember me. And likewise, when the supper was over, he took a cup. And after he had given thanks, he gave it to his disciples. And he said to them, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you will and remember me. Let us pray. Bless, O Lord, this bread and this cup. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world. The body of Christ, redeemed by his blood, by your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory, and we feast at his heavenly banquet. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.